Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. <laughs> my dad is my hero. I'll always be there to take your call and you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh boy. Hey, hey, hey. I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Today's guest is a realtor, a podcaster, the host of Time to Shine Today, and that is what we're getting ready to do. He found his twin sister at 49 years old. Scott Ferguson, welcome. Like, if you were yeah. to move right now, I mean, I know you played in the real estate market for mm-hmm. a long time. I mean, you have a lot of experience there. Sure. With today's market, if yeah. you were moving somewhere new, you didn't really know the area and you didn't have a lot of time to like search out all the neighborhoods and kind of what you wanted, would you rent or buy right now? I would rent. That's what I would do. And that's what I did when I moved to Florida. I rented and then I bought and then I bought again and then I sold during COVID. And now it's like, I'm getting priced out. It's crazy. Texas, Florida, New Mexico, freaking Arizona, Southern, Southern California. It's just bananas. Everybody's moving there. That's the thing. It's like where I'm at, I'm on a street where there's no other houses for sale and people are knocking down half a million dollar houses and expanding. Yeah. So when I just literally told my block that I'm thinking about moving. (laughs) Yeah. I had your neighbor that didn't like you started sending you people, right? (laughs) Yeah. I had like 10 people come see it in a week and a half, but then they literally wanted me out. And, you know, I wanted my kids to finish the school year and they were very high pressure. And I wasn't used to that because I haven't, you know, done the real estate thing in 10 years. We've been living in this house for 10 years. So I just decided to take a breath, let the company move us out. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to list it because I was just like, you know what? My husband's starting a job out of state. I obviously know we're going to be able to sell it now. You know what I mean? You have all the leverage. Rena, you have all the leverage in, in this. And I don't want right to be now. bullied, you yeah. know, like I like, honestly yeah. felt bullied. Yeah. When you start, when you and your hubby start looking to buy in Texas, you're going to be bullied because this, <laughs> it's a seller's market right now. Yeah. I mean, sellers are going to get what they want and they'll be like, you be here at this time or your offer won't even be considered. I mean, it happens here. Like, I mean, I'm still a real estate broker. You know, I'm blessed to have a solid team. So I only kind of show up for listing appointments. I might do an open house or something like that every once in a while. But it's like, there's 10,000 people a day, a day turning 65 in the United States and because of the baby boom, you know? And so like, that's what over three and a half million people a year. And then you get out of that, at least a million to a million five are going to move to these, you know, Sunbelt states. So, you know, it's, it's never going to crash down here until the baby boomers start to die, right? And then, because I affectionately call this heaven's waiting room, you know, because people just move here to die, right? But when they start passing on, they better have immigration, right? Because we're going to have all this housing. And because people aren't making babies like they used to at all. So like, I have four. Uh, yeah, well, you did your job, you know, 
I don't have any that I know of, but you know, I'm just kidding. Oh my God. Me and my dad were literally just having that conversation last night because I told him that I'm interviewing someone next weekend about abortion. And he was like, well, you know, there were some people in college that never contacted me. I'm like, what? You know, I'm like, am I going to find out about something? You know, but like (laughs) people are today finding out like through 23andMe that they have kids way later in life. And that kind of actually goes into your story a little bit. I just have found out I have a sister from 23andMe last year, a half sister. So and it was last year, right? Yeah, I was, I was 49 when I found out. Then I come to find out she's got like three full, two brothers and one sister. So I have like these half sibs from my dad's side. You know, my mom's side, I know I, I found them back in 2003. They're Filipino. Like the dad's side, I'm like, yeah, I'll just spit in this and just see what happens. And next thing you know, this it's a sister. I'm like, what the? what so like we were staying in touch and they're just kind of they're all in northwestern pennsylvania you know because like when i did it it was like you're dutch and filipino you know like southwest pacific islander which is my month now by the way you know the pacific islander month yeah didn't you hire a private investigator and what is that like in the past with my mom's side like i just had like this little mark on the back of my calf and I was like, what is this? You know, and so I didn't know anything about my family history because I'm adopted. So I just reached out to a buddy of mine who's a PI and he's like, you're sitting down. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, you have, you know, a twin sister and like eight half brothers and sisters in Jersey. And I'm like, what? So I actually hooked up with them, which is pretty cool and met with them. And, you know, we sat down and Jovi's my twin. And she told me, you know, went through the whole story with me, but you know, she's a real estate broker too. <laughs> No. Yeah. That's why, like, in my, you know, my bio, I was, you know, kind of contacted by different celebrity people from the 90s saying, hey, man, your story is this, this, and it's crazy. We want, I'm just like, I don't really want to tell it, you know, because, you know, I was arrogant and printing money at the time. And I was just like, man. And then when I fell on a hard time, I was like, you know, I, I really want to kind of know what the past is and what's going on and, you know, what's happening and stuff like that. So, it's been a journey and I'm just enjoying it because I'm good in my life, you know, and everything's, you know, good. I live in my version of paradise. I have fantastic connections like you and then friends and, you know, I'm close with my family. So I'm, I'm good. It was a quite a, an enlightening shocker of everything. I mean, I had a girl reach out last week. She's like, Hey, I'm Lisa. I'm your cousin. Found you on 30 or 23 me. I was like, Oh, so it just keeps growing and growing as people start spitting into the little containers. So <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Oh my and they God. Say, and they after... say 23 and me is not even like the best one. They say an ancestry DNA is the best. So I have my kit right here that I'm going to spit in and see what else is <gasps> going to come out of it. It's kind of Wow. Cool. Yeah. So, but they were like out of your life for so many years. Like, how mm-hmm. do you really work that in and process that? And how does that impact your life? Right. Yeah. I don't really meet strangers. So I'm like, even when I'm out and about, I don't meet strangers. I'm like you, I'm from the Midwest. You know, I know you, you were technically from Kentucky, but there's still friendly people, you know? Yeah. So, but I'm the guy, you know, I'm six, one, I'm two, six, and pretty well put together. And I'm the guy that runs up and hugs everybody. And, you know, just is super nice. So I don't really like unpacking anything for me. is just like, ah, oh, it's a part of my adventure, you know, and that's it. You know, I just enjoy it and more people, the merrier. And, but I'm an introvert at heart. I love doing everything by myself, but 
you know, when I speak and they see my energy, because my energy with you and on podcasts is the exact same off the mic. I enjoy new adventures and it's like, man, life's short, dude. I mean, within 40 years, I'll probably be dead, you know, God willing. I'm 50 years old. So make the most out of every day and be blessed for the good and the bad, you know, period. Yeah. I really want to know though, like if you're comfortable sharing, so you have a twin and did your mom keep your sister? Yeah. There's a whole like story about that with regards to being built born when I was born in the Philippines and stuff. And again, I'm a big dude. So like at the time, bastard children, because my biological father knocked up my mom just as kind of a weekend liberty leave getaway, you know, and basically at the time, this is 1972, Philippines was like, wait a minute, man, these bastard males, they're going to grow to be big people, especially if they're American, you know, soldiers that are knocking our women up and they're literally taking bastard males from the mom and shipping them to Spain because Spain controls the Philippine islands. So my mom immediately was like, okay, here comes two kids. She gave me up to a family that was going to adopt me, which that's a whole nother story that they couldn't. That's where I ended up in an orphanage and kind of do my thing. When I was younger um, and my sister, she kept. So it was quite a whirlwind. And my mom passed away like two years before I really looked for you know, the family. So she always said, oh, you know, I have a secret and, and stuff like that. And Jovi knew, but she didn't tell any of the other siblings, you know, because she was like 46 when my mom gave birth to me. She was a little bit older for having, you know, older age for giving birth. But I have a brother that's almost 70, you know, that's half brother that she had with her late husband. My mom was married and he got killed in a fishing accident. So, oh so my it's God. just been a, been a nutty, nutty time. Have but you I'm learned like, okay. from your sister, like more about your mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I learned all kinds of stuff. When I went to was it Jersey in 2003, where they live, one of them picked me up at the airport. And he's like, he like pulls us over on the Jersey turnpike. He's like, what do you want? And he, it was like a rape van, like a white van, no windows or nothing. Right. And I'm like, uh, looking in the back and I'm like, I just want to meet blood. He's like, well, I'm your oldest brother, Raul, you know? So it was like kind of a, you know, using almost 50 years old or something like that. And I'm like, hey, you know, so it was a really interesting weekend. But me and Joby sat up eating lumpia and drinking wine, you know, until the wee hours and she just filled me in and everything. They own a restaurant. The, the whole white van was like for their catering and stuff like that. So, yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. Did you like notice any similarities like right off the bat? Like was there anything- We're definitely fraternal, like twins okay. with regards. I mean, she's like five one, you know, little itty bitty girl. And I'm like six one, you know, so it's like a whole foot taller. Like I definitely favored my dad, my biological father, you know, and she favored the you know, mother. And I got to see a bunch of pictures of her name was Conchita. Or they called her Connie, my, my mother. And it was kind of cool to see all that stuff and see how like I resemble her in the face a lot. You know, so it's pretty cool. It's, uh, that's pretty neat. And then, you know, because I always wonder, because I have like these little red hairs or auburn hairs that pop up in my head. And I'm like, where the hell is that from? And that's kind of from the, the Dutch side. That is so interesting. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on nature versus nurture? I believe that nature is fun. It, it's what you are biologically, the gifts God gave you and the, the identity not even the identity, but the, the body and the vehicle that God gave you. But everything goes back to how you're nurtured and brought up and 
and whatnot. So, I mean, I, I think everything really leans towards nurturing with anybody's behaviors, period. So, and, you know, I was nurtured from a family and I love my family to death and they know I talk about this, but I was nurtured from a place of lack, you know, not from a place of abundance at all. There was no abundance thoughts within my family at all. It was, you know, because my dad, which he's my best friend, talked to him every Sunday. You know, I visit him a few times a year. He's a redneck from Alabama. He grew up a sharecropper picking cotton, you know, so everything was lack. Oh, you don't spend that or don't do that. Don't invest that. Just save your money, save your money. And and I did it. And but like my best friend from Womb to Tomb, Tim, was a risk taker and he started businesses. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can, he's like, Fergie, you can do this. You can totally start a business and get going and, and rock it out, you know? So I just kind of, he believed in me. And then, you know, again, that's a nurturing from a different angle, right? And which led me into growing and uh, as a person on the entrepreneurial side. And after I got out of the military, I haven't punched a clock and that was 1996 at all. I've never had a job of any type that I was not, in charge of, you know, so I've always had solid discipline. My attitude hasn't always been great. I mean, I was, you know, your stereotypical douchebag, you know, when I started making money and stuff like that. But then I learned, you know, real quick, you know, what it takes. And if you don't come from a place of service, you'll lose it, period. And also having the identity of not having money made me just spend it and spend it. When you start making money, it's like the theory of relativity comes out, right? Where everyone's your relative when you make money, right? <laughs> so they start hitting you up for money. <laughs> so, you know, and I would basically use that as a, I don't know, a, a leverage on them to, you know, oh, I did this for you. You have to do this for me instead of just being open to regular reciprocation and how it comes. And it was just lessons learned throughout my life. Wow. Is there anything in particular, like any instance where that happened? Is there like a switch? Yeah, well, it was... It came crashing down on me in 09 when the market or the 08, 09, when the market started to take a dip, right, Rena? And remember at Lifetime Fitness and just looking up at the TVs and saying, oh, well, Bear Stearns is going under and all these other companies. So I started reaching out to my assistant. I'm like, hey, how many, are, many of our deals are underwritten by these banks are going, she's like, Scott, like 80% of them. Like, we don't know if we're going to be able to close these deals now. I'm like, wow. So then they didn't close. So I was going from you know, closing 150, 200 real estate transaction a year to like five, you know, it was that bad. And, you know, we were in, you know, the Detroit area, I was in the Detroit area and it was like, you know, I affectionately call it the armpit of America. Everybody, I can talk about Detroit, but nobody else can. It's kind of like that thing. So it was, you know, there was no comeback. The, the mayor at the time totally ran Detroit into the ground and the, the suburbs too felt it. But when I lost everything, it was, I had a Rhodesian Ridgeback, a rescue dog. And we were literally homeless. And I'm not saying that in a sense of like, oh, well, you know, you just don't have, no, I had no place. So I did have a place to go, but my ego wouldn't let me reach out to people and be like, hey, you know, I'm in a bad spot and stuff. So, you know, I had a 2001 Pontiac Bonneville that Rody and I kind of lived in. And then I had a client said, hey, you know, we're do you, you know, about these short sale things, you know, like when you, they owe more than what the house is worth. I'm like, oh yeah, which I didn't. But it was like, they, they said, well, we're moving to Florida, list our house. It's, you know, if you can sell it, great. If not, then just let it go to foreclosure. So I did all the research, started doing that. But I moved into their house when they moved to Florida and lived there for a good three months before we were able to get the deal done. And then 
I was handed a book called The Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews. And it was this amazing story, business parable, if you will, like about a guy whose daughter was dying. He lost his job and he's just like, oh man, I was just going to give him the insurance money so they can you know, survive. And he runs his car into a tree and he, to kill himself. And then he wakes up in 1945 with give him hell, Harry Truman, like a day before they were going to drop the bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And he gets lessons about taking responsibility. Then he meets King Solomon and learns wisdom and Frank for happiness. And I just start putting that together. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm doing this wrong. And I, and I was 38 at the time and just said, wait a minute, I'm not doing it for anything from a place of service. You know, I was doing everything from kind of like the name of my company was Vulture Capital. I was preying on other people's misfortunes, right? So, but I just switched it around. And that's when I started really digging into how can I provide people with what can help them level up. And that was really the major switch that kind of happened. You know, someone handed me a book that saw me in my doldrums, you know, and I had an awesome dog that kept me company until, you know, we could, you know, Vienna sausages and tuna as my version of steak and there's a surf and turf, you know? So at the time, and, you know, I just worked, worked it back, you know, now it's grateful every day. I do my gratitude sandwich every day. I keep my body in good shape and in, in my mind in good shape and very little can really set me off anymore. You know? That's amazing. Yeah. So it sounds like you've had more than one rescue animal. I heard from yeah. Billy Groom. Yeah. I reached out to a couple of people who you've had on your show. I was like, hey, oh, nice. anything that you would ask Scott, you know, <laughs> Billy said, how has Stitch, your rescue pit, changed your mindset and what life lessons have you learned from being Stitch's owner? The biggest life lesson that I learned that I didn't so much learn with Rody, my, my rescue before, was that being present is key. Like I, when I go for walks now with Stitch, the phone stays in my back pocket, unless like a really cool nature thing, it presents itself and I'll do a video of it. That's the only reason why I carry my phone. No earbuds or anything. It's just staying in the present. Stitch teaches me that, you know, in his own little way. He's affectionately my idiot. You know, he wants to be friends with everybody and everything, whether it's a duck, a squirrel, another dog, obviously, people around our community, the guys drive around in golf carts. He hops in the golf cart and he goes to like maintenance calls with them and stuff like that. They have, everybody here loves them. Like I had a stigma where I was afraid of being liked or not liked. I was afraid of being not liked by people. And probably about eight years ago, I made a resolution. I learned this from actually Rody at the time was I make two New Year's resolutions every year for the past eight or nine years. And one is to make someone smile every day, no matter what. See, I got it. Uh-huh. Hey. And then two is unless I've hurt you or disrespected you, I give zero, you know, what's about what you think about me. And once I started doing that, I started becoming really more comfortable within my skin and, you know, Stitch and Rody really just taught me that it's, it's good to be you you know, have fun in life, you know, and that's what I do. I mean, dogs' lives are way too short. It's, I think it's the cruelest and the cruelest thing God does is he gives you a dog for eight to 10 to 12. I mean, Rody lived to 16 and a half, but you know, that was an anomaly and hopefully Stitch will, Stitch will do the same, but it's, you know, it's just, you really stay in the present with, with your animal, you know, that's, that's it. There's nothing else that matters. So I literally, see what he's sniffing now and seeing what's going on. And when I don't get me wrong, there's mornings or days where I'm like, dude, we have to do a fast walk. 
you know, he's not happy about it, but I make it up to him either later that day or the next morning and give him his long walk and stuff like that. But he, yeah, just really staying in the presence is what Stitch and Rody have really taught me. I love that. It's the same with kids too. I'll tell oh, you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I'm like a little snuggle and then we got to go. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> got to go. Yeah. Life happens. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, okay. he also knows if he gets rushed, he gets triple treats. You know what I'm saying? So he gets Aww. the extra. He's like, all right, all right, it's cool, but you better get me, you know, three cookies instead of one. <laughs> and he gets hooked up. So That's you know, he, sweet. he's just an awesome guy. Yeah. Okay. Second question from the audience. Tell me about being in the service and your commitment to veterans. I joined the military in 1990, or like literally I graduated from high school in June 10th of 1990, as in boot camp June 25th. You know, I was pretty good at sports and was offered some small scholarships and stuff, but they didn't like that my grade point average was like (laughs) 1.2. So my dad's like, you're not living here without paying rent. I've carried you for 18 years and you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, dad, no problem. So literally just signed up, you know, for the, the Navy. And my dad was happy. He was scared, but happy because, you know, Desert Storm was, it was Desert Shield at the time. And then Desert Storm was about to go down and launch, you know, being in there taught me, it was another family. That's a family to this day, you know, on station and some pretty hard target situations, you know, which taught me to rely on others and to be okay with people relying on me. I uh, built a confidence and a discipline that I still go to this day and I lean on it, you know, because I've been through stuff and I know that I went through that. I can get through absolutely anything in life. Things, some things are harder than others. Obviously when you lose a loved one or, you know, stuff like that, it's, it's a little bit more painful, but you know, I'm able to not take life too seriously because we're not making that alive. Right. I mean, it's like, we're all going to die. So might as well have some fun with it and while you're doing it, but also give, you know, max effort in everything you do, whether it's, you know, sweeping the floor or working with a million dollar client, you know, max effort on everything. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for your service. Mm. Yeah. My grandfather was also um, in the Navy. So I know my dad Mm. will have something to say about that. Nice. I feel like I want to give you some of the questions that you give to other people. Has anybody ever (laughs) done that to you on your, like in an interview? The, The thing is, is that every question I ask, my canned questions, I learned from either like Larry King, believe it or not. Love him. Who is his name? Grant Benzinger, hmm. a fantastic interviewer. You know, those are the ones that those two people are the ones I really look up to. So I would take some of their questions and then put, you know, Fergie spin on it. And with my energy, because both, you know, Larry King is this and then Grant's like this and I'm like this. So I put my, my spin on it and, you know, have some fun. But that, no one's really came at me with anything now. But All you right, can. ready? Do Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Yeah. 60s, 70s, or 80s music and why? 80s all day. It's big hair, don't care. Everything happened in the 80s. 80s, if I could go back and just live those 10 years, because again, I graduated in 1990, so that was my childhood. But you had everything in the 80s. I mean, you had the tail end of disco, the beginning of rap, you know, with Run DMC, Beastie Boys and stuff. And then you had the invasions from U2 and Duran Duran. You know, your fun stuff, pop stuff like Cindy Lauper, and then you had the glam rock, the big hair, don't care bands, metal bands with Metallica and Megadeth. And so you had everything within that decade, you know, and then the best movies ever. I mean, come on, John Hughes films with 16 Candles, Ferris Bueller's, you know, then obviously Back to the Future. You oh, know, we got to do a Back to the Future yeah, now. Good transition. You know? Okay. Yeah. If you could give 22 year old Fergie some, mm-hmm. some nuggets help yep. him level up, what would they be? 
I would say be humble yet curious. And when you get stuck, ask for help, take the help seriously, and then take action on the help. You know, I go, kind of go back to, you know, don't take life too seriously and never make it out alive, right? So it's like, take, have fun in life, be humble, get curious, look to respond and never react. And when you get stuck, get your asking gear for people that are there. And that as you kind of grow, I would, you know, tell myself, you know, to, to get with the, the plus equals and minus, meaning like every day, try to find someone that's where you want to be and learn from them someone that's equal to you and trade with them or someone that's not lower than you, but on their way up and give to them. And that's, you know, something again, just be humble, curious, grateful, and don't react, just respond, you know, and most of all, take responsibility for everything that you do. Have you had to do that as a leader? What's that? Take responsibility. Yeah. Things don't go right. Oh, that is so painful. Everything, the buck stops with me, period, in time to shine today. You know, I'm blessed to have a solid team that works with me. The responsibility to me is nothing more than the ability to respond, right? It's rooted right in the word. So I'm able to take any situation and respond to it in a way while I'm keeping my head cool. You know, there's certain things, whether it's a client that kind of, you know, coaching client that is just not getting it, you know, you got to be curious and humble and see what was really there. And you have to be able to put those lofty, powerful questions in place for them to level up. So now I'm going to give you the opportunity to ask a question to my dad. You know what? If your dad had a time machine for one day, one day, and he gets to come back to present day, would he go 20 years in the future or to any time in the past and just live for that one day and come back? That's why I like to ask people to have that as knowledge. You know, some people that have kind of been there and done that, what they want to see what's going to happen because there's no promise for tomorrow, right? But they can see it or would they want to, you know, go back and, and see and learn from a possible mistake or misstep that they did in the past? That's probably what I'd ask somebody with that kind of knowledge. I love that question. That mm-hmm. leads me to one final question for you. Mm-hmm. Was there a time in your life that you would like to relive? Like a time where you felt like you were on top of the world? There's probably some sporting events that I, that I excelled at, but honestly, man, I would love another day with my mother. You know, she passed. So Mm -hmm. it would be like, dude, and yesterday sucked. It's my second one without her. It's been tough with that, you know? So that's probably what I would do is just, you know, go back. I mean, my mom and I were not super close because she had some demons, but we got really close later. And I would just love to, you know, some, sometimes, and again, she came from a lack mentality, but I could pick her brain from that angle on just certain things. And, you know, she'd be Larry Scott, you know, cause I go by my middle name, you know, Scott and Larry's my first name. She'd be like Larry Scott. And then she would kind of go into her spiel and I would really have to filter a lot of it because she was a victim mentality and stuff like that. But there was lessons that my mom taught me. And I would, I'd love to go back and relive. There's a certain time on her front porch that we really talked about relationships and she met a guy, Kazmer, who is, with all due respect to my father, he's the one man, her, my stepfather, that I just respected like so much. And just the relationship that my mom and Kazmer had was like so cool. So in relationships, which I really sucked at for a long time with women, you know, I could sit down with her and just kind of pick that. So I'd love to just go back and do that, you know, and just that's one highlight that, you know, on her front porch in Garden City, Michigan, that just really stands out. 
Absolutely. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Like what did, what relationship advice did she give you? You know, she just said, you'll know when it's the right one, but also when you get there, that there's going to be days. Like I, I speak on a whole 20 minute speech about overlapping your happiness, right? Whenever I speak and I, I coach people with that too. Like she's like, Scott, everything's going to end, whether it's good or bad. And so I call that finite. Everything's finite. Good or bad things are finite. But if you find something at all times that's going to make you happy and other people happy, then you can overlap that. So like if I'm like, Rena, you're coming to Florida. You're going to hang out with me. We're going to rock some stages. We're going to have a good time. You're like, yeah, I'm going to see Fergie. But guess what? You're going to get on that plane and on the way back. Right. And so it's like, okay, the time with Fergie was fun, but it ended right? You know, we had fantastic seafood. You met Susan. We were just had a great time, but that ends, right? So if you find things at all times that can overlap the happiness, you know, whether it's complimenting somebody and getting someone to smile, I mean, that's, that's happy too, but just continuously look and understand that even the bad things are going to end, but not just that the good things are end. So just continue to overlap it. I feel like you're overlapping happiness with your time to shine today. Let's talk a little bit about that. Let's sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're bringing on incredible guests, you're building community around it. You've mm-hmm. gotten a huge email list. You've turned it into affiliates and coaching and all kinds of things. Speaking mm-hmm. so much has spawned from something that you're passionate about doing and the magic mm-hmm. that you're making and doing it. Right. Let's talk about that. I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah. I just, you know, I became a, I, I call, you know, no one likes life coach, right? They're like, eh. so I'm a lifestyle you know, optimization artist. That's what I do. Ooh. That's what my clients see as me. And they see, oh, it's fancy stuff. But when they start working with me, they say, oh man, he's fired up. He's like this. This is actually him. I care about people. I don't want to have anyone to feel like they have no one. You know, my little brother, part of that story in 09 was my little brother put a gun in his mouth and ended his life. Right. So I don't want to have anybody, no matter what situation you're in, you know, I, I was so blessed the other day when a podcast interview that I did two years ago reached out and said, hey, do you have you know, a holistic practitioner? You know, My cancer's returned. And for me to be able to go mental Rolodex, bam, pop it up and send her somebody, that is the best feeling ever to be that one-stop shop for them. To, that gave me chills. Oh my god! Yeah, have my clients my coaching clients, my one-on-ones to be able to be like, Hey man, Fergie's walking it every day. He's walking his talk every single day and to be able in it, they hold me accountable. And that's what, you know, time to shine today is about is one. We don't have anyone to feel like they have no one, but everybody's accountable for something in my, and for other people, you know? And so my whole goal with time to shine today is, you know, to kind of plant trees that I'll never sit in the shade of, right? So plant them, you know, and understand that the tree with the most fruit bends to the ground. So you're always giving, right? So you're, you know, that Shel Silverstein, the, the giving tree, it's like I have sitting on my desk right here within reaching. So it's like, that's what time to shine today is about. And, you know, the podcast didn't launch until December 19th of 2019. And I did it from a selfish endeavor to be able to meet people like you, other coaches, pick their brains on how they coach, but give them exposure. And that just turned into my squad of listeners were like, man, this is awesome. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And then COVID hit and it was like the best thing ever. It was like, I got to, again, I might not have met you, you know, without COVID happening. 
however, that we met would have never happened without COVID because the person that probably introduced me to you, which I am terrible. I'm going to actually, I think it was another podcaster. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to bug me because your, your show, by the way, Rena's show drops next week, I believe. It's going to really bug me until I can find it. You're like, scroll uh, back, scroll how, back. How, how, how did we How did we meet? I think it was another oh, podcaster, probably. It's such yeah. a community. It was Craig Stanley, the reinvention Oh, yes, specialist. yes. He's a fantastic What a story that guest. dude has, you know? Yeah, and... it's funny. My husband actually worked at Cisco during that mm-hmm. time. So I was <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> he's, he's lived quite the life. And, you know, I'm sending him up. And what's awesome is, you know, he, he sent me his one pager today speaking one pager i'm setting him up with inter or uh, speaking engagements here in florida because i'm super deep you know ingrained in the florida speaking world so that's amazing to be able to have his story out there you know and i also with time to shine today i will be the next angie's list of coaching consultants and therapists in the next 60 months as in five years like we will be the go-to place that will actually give you a coach that's going to fit the bill and that's why the questions are asked within my podcast of, you know, about your company, who's a good referral for you. But then I get into, let's learn about Rena. You know, what's your definition of life will live? How do you want your dash remember? So when people, we run a lot of marketing for coaching, they, they come to their, we get probably 30 or 40 coaching inquiries a week, right? But then what we do is we set them up with coaches that we've interviewed, okay? And we're able to send the podcast interview to the prospect and be like, yeah, I want to meet Marcus or Craig or Rena or whoever, and then put them together. And then the back end, time to shine today will make money because the coaches that we refer business to, then they pay us for that. So we do everything for free, you know, within time to shine today. So, you know, like we like to give, give, give until it hurts so good, you know, but also be hundred percent open to reciprocation when and if the time is right, you know. Get that so, ask into gear. I love that. I yeah, actually yeah. tweeted that. That is so good. <laughs> yeah, that Leah, Leah Woodford, she has the smart femme community and and she's in arizona she's awesome i'm going to go out there i believe i'm speaking in october at the smart Femme, but it's you know it's a huge community of women it's fun and she's just like you know i asked her you know leave us that one last knowledge nugget you want us to take with us internalize and take action and she's like just get your asking gear i'm like man i'm going to use that it's going to be in my book it's going to be in everything she's like take it because i learned it from someone else and that's the thing is everything's about regurgitation right we regurgitate what we learn from other people. And that's literally the name of my book that I'm writing is regurgitation. Cause you have like Tony Robbins, right? TR is the biggest motivational face on this planet, but he regurgitates in his own way, everything from Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn to Earl Nightingale, Earl Nightingale, to Wallace Waddles, all the way back to Seneca, the Stoics that we know of. And so everything is really just, you know, passed forward. And that's what, like, that's what I do is everything that I really say I've learned from someone else and just add it to my level up repertoire and just have some fun. I love it. Well, yeah. keep leveling up. Let yes. people know how they can find the podcast, connect with you, all the good yeah. stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, time to shine today.com slash podcast, or we're on every single directory out there. Coming up on 1.1 million downloads listens. So which is, it's awesome. And thank you to my list out there of loyal listeners. That listen and also to the new people that are listening i hired a at a reputable pr company in the states that is that's really, hard to find yes yes and it's not cheap but it's the best thing that i can do to provide the value you know i'm fully sponsored so i take that sponsorship money and, and reinvest it in to the people that i interview to the people that 
uh, that, that need the services. I mean, to come on our show, if you're a coach or consultant or a therapist, we'd love to have you. We don't charge anything. We do have a link to uh, donate to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is a 5 or $10 donation. We do ask for that. We do give preferential treatment to the people that do donate, get them on the show sooner. That's just, you know, because obviously with Tommy, my little bro that, that took his life, it's, it's super important to me. Um, I've had people at Time to Shine today or they, they have reached out to me saying, you know, life's not good. I, I don't know if I want to live. And luckily, I've interviewed two suicide counselors on Time to Shine today that I was able to refer them to. So, you know, you can find us on all your platforms that are out there and we're here for you. And no matter what situation you're in, we will f- help you find the solution. I would absolutely love to include those episodes in the show links. If you just tell me which numbers they are, I will totally drop those in. Okay, I will. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. It's it's awesome. No, I'm amazing. Thank you. Can I get you to do what I did on yours? And can you say this is Scott Ferguson on the Better Call Daddy show? Yeah. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Ferguson with Time to Shine today. And if you really, really want to learn how to level up your life, You should be listening to the Better Call Daddy podcast with my awesome sauce, gorgeous, beautiful friend, Rena Friedman. Let's level up. Woo! I love that. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. A very intriguing question, Mr. Ferguson. If you could travel in time, you know I love those time travel stories. Can you go back 20 years? You'd like to really have further conversations with his mom, or look ahead 20 years to the future. And obviously, it's an easy choice for me. I always would choose to move forward and be able to see more of the future. I think it's nice to have history and record the past and learn from the past, but I don't want to live in the past. I want to live in the present and look forward to the future always. And I think that's what Scott is really telling you as well in his message, is that he's had a wild beginning, searching out his roots, searching out his family, also really got his mentorship and really his discipline and his knowledge. Maybe that's good for a lot of people where just like my dad really became who he is and finding his identity by going into the service. Not only did he want to serve his country, but the loyalty and camaraderie with the people that he went to war with was just as important where he had tremendous loyalty to people that were loyal to him. And isn't that really the basis of what family is supposed to be all about? And yet, as you know, whether you have blood relations or not, you can get loyalty and dedication from people that are not related to you. And some people that are related to you don't give you necessarily that same type of commitment as somebody that might not be related to you. So it's really funny how that works. I feel like, too, you've always wanted to know what it would be like if you had a twin, and he discovered at 49 that he did. (laughs) Isn't that something? It's true. The truth of the matter is, is that I also love those clone movies, too, of whether or not, if you had cloned yourself, would the clone have the same experiences and the knowledge, make the same choices if he or she could, as I would do, you know? So, I mean, you're talking about, again that big dilemma between Skinner and Freud, where are things done based on the environment more, or do you have innate principles and values and things that are just part of your makeup that make your destiny trail of what you're going to follow based on a lot of your genetic makeup? 
very interesting question too. Your own mother has done the 23andMe. Have you discovered anything about her genetics? <laughs> well, I think we have a strong history from my mom's side of the family with a lot of smart, a lot of heritage to follow through on where it's been passed on from generation to generation where they really understand what legacy is and to keep your family alive and willing to sacrifice for your children and for future generations. Not everybody really cares to do that or even agree to do that. A lot of people just want to live for today, want to be able to just do their own thing, and they don't care about the next generation or who they might step on along the way. But that's not the way my mom and dad were raised. I've tried to be an example of really their philosophy. And the funny part is, is that even at times when I was younger, running a business with my parents for 45 50 years, depending on your, your terminology. The fact is, is that there's plenty of arguments, plenty of discussions where I was sure that I was right on a lot of things. And then as time would pass on, I found out that they still were more right than I was on a lot of those issues that I was certain that I was right and they were wrong. So wisdom and experience of your elders has to be deeply respected. And where it's lacking, getting that mentorship, getting that camaraderie, getting that loyalty, brainstorming, learning, reading other people's histories, you can balance out some of the deficiencies. And sometimes it's a motivating factor that when you have these deficiencies, to want to overcome those deficiencies and make improvements in your father and your grandfather's legacy and show that we can do it better and we can improve it and we understand the difficulties that they might have gone through in our generation or in the next generation show that we can overcome those adversities where it is a continuum and not where one generation is goal is only to outshine the other generation. And I think I've mentioned this to you before. My father always would tell me that I hope and pray that you'll be a better man than me, not as good as me, but a better man than me where he was also not only striving to improve himself, but was hoping that his children would improve and take it to a higher level. And I have the same dream, that my children and children's children will be better than me and will also be able to take it to a higher level on all fronts. You still waited for me to call and didn't talk to me I, for a week. Well, I did have some things going on, but sometimes you got to hold the line and wait and make sure that some reflection is done. And hopefully uh, you found out that still, whether we agree on everything or not, it's still good to be able to follow up with your father. He's still a valuable part of your life, no matter what. That's true. And what Scott Ferguson has done, has searched out his family, has crazy relations, even has a twin sister he knew nothing about. But the fact is, is that he's worked on the deficiency and got that camaraderie and loyalty and where he found himself in the military and decided to say, hey, I've overcome my history. I'm going to make a better history. And guess what? I can help motivate other people where they can search out their history and make a better go of it as well. And then I can help show a guiding light to others that are also bewildered at some of the beginnings that we get. And isn't that, again, something that I just mentioned in my analysis, that where we get good training, where we 
certainly puts us at the head of the class and gives us a, a better chance. But even those that are behind or in a pitfall can pick themselves up and also get right back in the race and still win at the game of life. We all face different adversities or pitfalls all through our lives. It's those that don't give up, that don't quit, and also are able to say, hey, wait a minute, this is not working. We've got to just find a better way and not go woulda, coulda, shoulda, or feel sorry for ourselves. We just have to figure out a way what's the next best move that we can make with our lives. We're not always going to play the best moves all the time, but let's find what is the best possibility that we can do after a mistake or an error. We can't go back in time and correct it. We have to figure out the right answer of how do we move forward and make it as best out of the situation as we can. So back to that question, let's study our history. Let's tape our history, whether it's in writing or on tapes or podcasts or history books. Let's try to get it where it's not biased and it's real, which is what the Better Call Daddy show stands for, is that we want real feelings, real facts, real issues to discuss. And let's figure out a forward path and be able to improve not only our own family's legacy, but let's continue to improve humanity by setting the stage that everyone can participate and everyone can do better. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 